Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? You're starting your podcast off late. You know I'm tired. I know, baby. Well, just give me a little bit. It doesn't take too long. I'm already in my nighty. I don't want to wait up. See you in the morning, prick. What's up, jeans? Welcome to the Fun Friday Podcast. That was my angry girlfriend. I guess she's off to bed by herself. Fine. Just fucking fine. See if I care. See if I fucking care. Sorry I swear a lot. I'm not sorry I swear a lot. I like swearing a lot. <laughs> Swearing's cool. My friend Nancy who lives in Houston, Texas. She said that her brother listened to the pod. and Because uh, I gave her a shout out. She goes, I thought the shout out was done in a very tasteful way. Loved it. It was special for me. Haha. I listened with my brother and he goes, who is this guy? You know him? I said, yeah. What do you think? Do you like his style? He said, he cusses a lot like I do. <laughs> Yo, Nancy, uh, Nancy's brother, I didn't get your name, but fuck it, bro. You know, that's fucking sick, dude. I'll fucking, dude, let's meet up and we'll fucking cuss and fucking say shit and goddamn and fucking shit like that. That's, this is why my parents don't listen. This is the number one reason. God love them. Uh, thank you for the, the feedback, Nancy. That was very nice of you. She also said, in summary, your style is relatable. I get a kick out of your commentary on the recent events, scientific articles and such that you come across. Don't change. That's so nice. Nancy, I sincerely appreciate that. I won't. I don't plan on changing. Okay, I will just sit here in my apartment on a Tuesday night reading scientific articles about space and China and Russia partnering and and this and that and and like sex articles, dude. I I have a sex article to, to discuss, you guys. I don't want to fucking be too titillating, to be too too erotic, erotica. When I was in a grad school, my friends and I went to the Long Beach Island, LBI, New Jersey. From We drove from Cleveland, and we put together this thing called a night of erotica. <laughs> and it was basically just just perverted, stupid shit. And my friend Robin, who ended up marrying my friend Bill, she licked my nipple. <laughs> we put whipped cream on it. And her boyfriend at the time, Bill, was like, no. And then, no, she did. She, she licked it. So if you ever want to have fun at the beach, dude, just put together a nice little night of erotica. I was reading about Vegas opening. I want to go to the fucking Cirque du Soleil shows. I saw this article about them like training and setting up and shit. That's got to be so sick. I want to see the Beatles one. I want to get really high, maybe a tiny bit of microdosing shrooms. Not too much, not too much. And go see that shit. They'll be fucking lit, dude. Vegas is fun, man. One time I went there and uh, <laughs> within like an hour of arriving, I had like gotten some weed from this girl in a car and she put like a tincture. She gave me like tincture on my like tongue. I didn't know what tincture was. She just dripped this like liquid from a syringe onto my tongue like literally an hour after i had landed because the strip is not far from the airport and i'm like what the fuck am i doing i just fly to Ve- what if that had been like poison i just fly to vegas and within one hour i'm just this body in the mgm grand parking lot or whatever you call it uh, that would not have been good dude another time this is a quick story but i think it's broadly relatable i went to vegas and i was in there was a title fight night uh, whatever, and at MGM Grand, and I forget who it was. It was maybe it was like Floyd Mayweather or something. It was like the crazy big event. And my friend Kat and I took a cab from the Luxor, where we were staying, not quite as nice, over to the MGM Grand, and then our cab driver got us some weed. I, this is okay to talk about because it's legal in New York now. And Kat, I was like, hey, man, do people ever, on the ride over, you know, because we, we had just gotten there, so we didn't have any, and we wanted to get some. <laughs> So I thought the best route, the safest route would be to ask our cab driver. I go, hey, man, when people uh, fly here, do they ever ask you um, where they can get weed? And he goes, yeah. And I go, 
uh, what do you what do you tell him? <laughs> and he goes, I, I can get you guys weed. You want weed? And I was like, yeah. And then my friend Kat, she's such a fucking moron. She goes, are you a cop? <laughs> you have to answer if you're a cop. Like she thought she would like get him on some entrapment law. I'm like, first of all, Kat, I don't think the Las Vegas Police Department is going to be like fooled by your by the one episode of SVU Law and Order you watched or whatever with your fucking tricking cops trick. Anyway, I was just like, the guy kind of looked in the rearview mirror. I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Just, just ignore her. <laughs> Are you a cop? And then we, uh, I'm sorry, I said she was dumb. She's not dumb. Cat's very smart. She's smarter than me. I'm an idiot. And then we went over to the MGM Grand uh, drop off place or whatever. And you know, there's a lot of people milling about. What are the, those things, fucking things called? Where you drop people off in front of the casino with all the lights on the ceiling or on the roof, the ceiling. What do you call that shit? Carport? I don't know. Lobby. So we're walking, we we do the deal, we're in this minivan, he parks the minivan in this area, in this drop-off area, goes to another car, uh, we're like, oh fuck, is this guy getting like guns or something, they're going to like kidnap us, gets some weed, comes over, opens the back door of the minivan that we're in, you know, the sliding door, and then he opens a brochure with like tourist sites to see in Las Vegas, and he points out one. And he's like, oh, you could go to this place and then points to the weed that he puts in this folder and then shuts the folder and hands it to us. I'm like, wow, that was a smart exchange. Dude, nice. That was very covert. You know, there's a lot of people milling about. For all anybody knows, he's just helping some tourists like see the sights. So we make the getaway cleanly. We had escaped. Now we're now entering the casino. The car is off in the distance. I'll never get this long as I live. He leans out the car and screams in front of like 300 people and he goes yo man that's that kush <laughs> i was like dude please i'm already panicked <laughs> don't yell out that's that kush by the way if you live in new york my number one market is new york if you live in new york or if you're in other places and you come to new york city dude you got to go to nurse betty it's on norfolk street near rivington on the lower east side it's the dopest bar it's like this pinup bar i think they have uh they're starting to have burlesque shows again on thursday at nine and it's it's just a dope-ass spot. I highly recommend it. I went there on Sunday night with some girls. It was really fun. And uh, I'll tell you the story later, but I'll tell you off the air. It's, it could be a little too hot to handle. Oh, my God. Why were you going to a bar with other girls? You jerk. I hope they were age-appropriate for you, not FIT students. Hey, this is none of your business, sweetie, okay? It's none of your god damn business. Well, that was weird. I might delete that part. Nah, fuck it. I don't want to. I don't want to go back. Um, but anyways, dude, Friday night at Black Hat, if you want to come this Friday, come anytime. It was so fucking lit and it was packed. There were these like six cute girls that like pulled up their own chairs to like sit, uh, you know, near the entrance because there were so many people in the room that they had to find, carve out a space to sit. And it was just a fucking barn burner of a night. It was so fucking fun. If you actually are listening to this on... Uh, June 18th, when this comes out, my brother's birthday. Happy birthday, Ben. The lineup is great. I got Mike, dude, Mike Kaplan. Come on now. Mike Kaplan, Julio Gallarotti, Scott Chaplin, Jabron Salim, Lev Fur, Malia Simon, Chris Hamilton. I think maybe Chloe uh, Ratcliffe. It's fucking, it's dope. I highly recommend it. It makes me happy. It makes my soul happy. And then we went to uh, The Magician afterwards. Dude, that, that's a fun spot, too. I think I left my credit card there. But the point of this story is I go to Vegas and smoke weed and then leave my credit card at bars 
in New York on a Friday night. I'm 45, so in case you're wondering, is this guy 25 years old and just, just moving to New York for the first time and starting his adult life? No, 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 no. He's about 25 years in it. <laughs> 25 years into it. <laughs> Sorry. I also got more feedback from my friend. I think it was Carissa. She said, just finished your podcast with Tom McCaffrey, the most recent one. Good stuff. Thank you. Tom is always a great fucking conversation. And this past Wednesday, I talked to my buddy Daniel Ratterstrong for like an hour and 40 minutes. But he's a smart motherfucker. I think he's like 32. He's like a developer, but he's also a really funny comic. And uh, yeah, one night at Black Ace, he comes up to me and he's like, dude, do you mind if I crush? <laughs> Not at all, pal. You redhead, you arrogant prick. I was listening to an interview with uh, David Lee Roth, and uh, he was talking about how, once again, Las Vegas, he said that's where to see like big performers like Celine Dion, Britney Spears, like Penn and Teller. That's where to see uh, those performers at their best because they are rested. If you're out in a tour bus traveling the country, your performance may suffer at each stop along the way because you're on the move. But Vegas is where they're not on a tour bus. And they're have you know in their own like home type of environment where they can kind of settle in, but then the counter argument to that would be they're in Vegas getting cracked out. So I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure where, where the truth lies on that spectrum. But it probably is a little better actually. Also, David Lee Roth was an EMT in New York City for four and a half years, like off and on. He wasn't doing it every night, but he was going out all across the city dealing with uh, people at their you know lowest saddest moments i mean that from like a medical perspective <laughs> what danny all right but um i just thought that was cool because like a global rock star doesn't have to do that but he did do that and probably really enhanced his view of life also side note he's a bit much <laughs> that dude does not shut up he's always like you fought fo- you follow me you follow me dude if saying you follow me or or like i heard this professor being interviewed and he's like does that make sense when you say, does that make sense or you follow me, you're slightly implying that the person you're speaking to is not as intelligent and can't comprehend things as well as you can. It's a veiled insult, okay? I know they don't mean it that way, and they might actually be sincerely interested whether or not you, what if they presented the information in a clear enough way to be understood, but still, dude, it's like, don't just don't do that. Don't say slightly condescending things, you know? It's not, it's just fucking, it drives me fucking insane. Or like another example is when people say, uh, well, as I said before, or they'll say, well, again, I don't, I don't need you to repeat the thing that you said earlier. Like even if you were saying something twice, just the, that phrase again, as I said before, it's, it's condescending. It's putting yourself above the person you're speaking to. Don't do that. Dude, don't do that. You know I hate that shit. <laughs> My brother Ben, this is a little quick story about my brother Ben, or his, uh, his wedding weekend was at Yosemite in 2019, and uh, my dad was driving, and dude, if, you, if you've been, if you have been to Yosemite, it is, it's pretty beautiful. It's like, a, I forget, like a 300 mile granite slab of mountain, really, but it's really high up there, and a lot of the roads at the peak of the mountains do not have guardrails, and there is uh, like literally nothing to prevent you from careening over the cliff. And we were, my dad was driving, we were driving around and, uh, I guess that's redundant. And he goes, we're, we took this like hairpin turn and I looked over the, the ledge. I was like, dude, that is certain death. <laughs> and my dad was laughing so hard at that. He had to pull over the car so that he didn't drive us over the cliff laughing. That was a fun moment. Oh, and it's father's day on Sunday. Look at that. Shout out to my dad. Shout out to my brother, Ben. 
All right, Danny, no one fucking cares about your fucking family shout-outs, bro. Just just make a bunch of cum jokes and end the fucking pod. Why are you talking about cum so much? Sorry, sweetie. You need to be respectful. <laughs> I, I, obviously, I'm not going to do too many like sports stories in the pod because I know a lot of people don't like sports and don't like space, but I see this podcast. That's a good point. This podcast is much more heavily skewed towards space than... Uh, sports, which I th- feel like is good. That's laudable, you know? But I do watch like Sports Center in the morning and they have this segment called Not Top 10 Plays. And they basically just, you know, on an international platform, just humiliate professional sports players, whether it's soccer or basketball, football, whatever. They'll just like show, a, you know, show a, a shortstop making a throw to first base and the throw is way off or like, you know, a tennis player throws his racket into the stands and it's like, that wasn't a top 10 play. That was a not top 10 play. And I just I just keep thinking about like the, the segment producer or like the editors behind the scene in Bristol, Connecticut or LA or wherever their fucking studio might be that's producing that segment. Like, what the fuck have you done, Hotshot? Mr. Producer, segment producer of not top 10 plays. You fucking squirrely little nerd loser sitting there in your tiny little cramped studio like slicing together, editing together, uh, splicing, that's the word, splicing together little clips and you're not top 10 thing. Well, I, how many, can you fucking make a free throw, motherfucker? Not top 10. You know who's in the not top 10? The segment producers. You know who's in the not top 10? Everybody involved with producing not top 10, okay? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? I gotta say, every time I get into a cab in New York, I put my seatbelt on and I've been mocked roundly by several people for doing that, including, I think, my friend Kat. Maybe it was Allie. Whatever. It's like, dude, you should put your seatbelt on when you get in a cab, even if you're in New York. Let me. Here's the classic example. Bob Simon was a like legendary 60 Minutes reporter. He 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 went to like he covered like all the wars. He went to Korea and Vietnam and Iraq and Afghanistan. I think he was in Kuwait. He was on helicopters. He was going into combat zones. He probably did that that thing where like the plane takes off in a combat zone and has to go straight up or do like evasive maneuvers just to avoid small arms fire. Like he was in a bunch of those type of situations, survived all that shit. Then he's in a livery cab on the West Side Highway in Manhattan. Some car sideswipes him. He didn't have a seatbelt on. He's going like 30 miles an hour. The car went into a pole and he got killed. So put your fucking seatbelt on when you're riding around in a cab, okay? Why do you got to be so rude to your listeners? Why don't you just say it's important to wear your seatbelt? What are you going to have a sharp tone, mister? You think you're better than people? You think you're above them? Mister, don't say it again. Well, what did you just do, you prick? Sweetie, I think we need to go to therapy. This is just a very combative relationship, my love. So my word of the day calendar, I literally have saved this since last Friday because this word of the day was from Friday, June 11th. Every day I read the word of the day calendar. It's great. I highly advise it. It's also nice because at the beginning of the year... It's thick, you know, and as the year goes on, the calendar gets smaller and smaller, and it's a symbol of the passing of time. And then on the back of each day, I could just see Zach McGovern, the former coach of this pod, rolling his eyes when I said that, like, dude, what are you doing? Um, but it also has the etymology, like the, her- the word history on the back of it, and it's cool. And the word from last Friday is malapert. It's an adjective. It means impudently bold and saucy. <laughs> I just I wanted to tell Zach that he's that he's well hold on let me read you the sentence they also give you an example sentence aren't those fun this is written by PG Wodehouse 
You ever read like old authors or the name of an old author from like the 1800s or some shit or like early 1900s and you're like, yeah, I should probably know who that is. And I'm sure they have a great collective body of work and maybe they have a, a work in the, you know, the liter the canon of literature or some bullshit, you know? And then it's just like, I don't know who the fuck PG Wodehouse is or the, his book, Sir Agavane. I don't know, dude. He wrote it in 1914. But this is a... uh a quote from that book that is used as the example sentence for the word malapert. Feel free to turn this off. I'm not saying you guys should listen to this. It's fun, though. Okay, it says, uh, Fair ladies, brave knights, churls, varlets, squires, scurvy knaves, men-at-arms, malapert rogues, all were merry. Dude, I don't know what kind of fucking party that was, but I kind of want to be there. I want to be a malapert rogue, dude. You are quite bold and saucy. You wish you were a Malapert rogue. You're just a piece of shit prick. <laughs> All right. I don't, am I wearing the girlfriend voice out too much? It's not a voice. It's me. I'm real. Sorry, sweetie. Just one quick shout out to Dua Lipa. Her song, Cool. Dude, you've got to check it out. If you haven't heard it before, it's so fucking good. I listen to it over and over and over to the point that when it comes on my Spotify playlist, naturally, I have to skip it because I can only listen to it when I'm like high on the weekends because I, I, I just play it too much. But it's basically about her uh, having a hard time. She really likes this guy. And she says, you got me losing all my cool. I love that phrase. You got me losing all my cool. You know, you try to be cool around somebody you like. And you just can't be that. You can't be cool. Like you're on a first date and you're like overly nervous. And you're like, I got to chill the fuck out. Good Lord, dude. Oh, I forgot about this story. This story is so fun. Last Friday, Reg Thomas did a set at Black Cat. He's a hilarious New York comic if you haven't. Um, seen him before and dude he fucking murdered like he smashed like i texted him i was like dude i've been watching stand-up in new york for like 12 years like a ton of shows like i'm the kind of comic that sits around and watches the whole show because i just like it some comics are like i'm performing and i'm leaving like i like to watch i like to learn you know i bet you like to watch <laughs> and i uh i texted usama about the show because usama went right sorry usama Sadike, who's also fucking hilarious and he smashes too and I texted him. I was like, bro, how nice of a moment was that on Friday when you acknowledged how great Reg did and then proceeded to murder yourself immediately? Because we, we were talking about how that's one of the nuances of stand-up comedy. Like, it's not just writing jokes. There's a million elements that you have to prepare for that aren't just... And then I presented my joke. Like, a lot of... Uh, there's a tendency to view New York... Or I don't know. There's a. It's more of a truth, I guess, that overall New York comics are stronger than LA comics, not universally, but LA comics as a whole oftentimes have a tendency to, to be more of like storytellers and just kind of like presenting who they are in a long form way, which can be hilarious, of course, but New York is like very like joke driven, very like, where is the punchline? When is this sentence going to end? And is it funny? And, and so we were talking about how that's one of the nuances of comedy beyond joke writing is acknowledging your peer and then keeping that energy going if they do well. Like, not just being like, and then here I am, look at me. And uh, Osama said, showing love brings out the love within you. Which I love that. I mean, that's definitely applicable in the stand-up world, right? Because if you acknowledge your friend that just had a great set and the, the energy in the room is really high and it's hard to reset it for your own performance, why not just show that person love instead of stressing out about it? And then that, and then that shows you as a loving person, and the crowd likes you because of that. And just it's nice to acknowledge your friends, you know. 
Yeah, so we were just talking about how, like, you know, if you if all you have is joke writing, then you're just going to kind of come across as rigid and stale. Like, you need to come across as a whole multidimensional, multifaceted human being with an undercurrent of love. I, I, that's the one thing I've been talking about a lot lately, too. It's like, it's fun to, like, bust balls and be playfully mean with your friends, but only if there's an undercurrent of love beneath it. If you're just saying things that are hurtful in and of themselves, that is not even remotely funny. If you're being playful but the person knows that you love and respect them then that can be funny but it's it's an important distinction to make and i think some people don't make it oh my god no i feel bad it's like 12 11 a.m and i think one of my neighbors just got home i don't even think many people live in my building anymore my question is is it the neighbor right next to me she could hear my voice or is it a neighbor above me also who cares who fucking cares they offered to re- renew my lease i now have another year of just being a loud arrogant prick over here and blank blank street on the lower east side obviously i'm not gonna say that i'm not a loud arrogant prank i'm a nice guy so this uh article about sex that i referenced last week it was written by it's in psychology today it was written by noam Schapanzer, a phd and professor of psychology at otterbein college where's otterbein college pennsylvania or some shit i don't know he's a practicing a practicing clinical psychologist and he writes this whole article about uh, like early experiences, like early sexual experiences, and like losing your virginity, and um, talks about you know some some people have uh, forced sexual initiation, and the average age at that time being like fifteen point six years, and obviously that would predict an increased risk of adverse outcomes over the course of their life, in terms, including like pregnancy and abortion. I don't even want to read all these things because this is the fun Friday pod. Illicit drug use. There, there you go. Um, but he talks about it and he says the picture emerging from such data is grim. In my view, it appears that our cultural milieu, there you go, a malapert milieu in which looking sexy is valued, but being sexual is devalued in which sexual images and words are used to sell things, distract, scare, or get people off, but not to educate or enlighten, maybe introducing young people into a rather harsh sexual sphere. So I know it's kind of a lot to... I just did the thing I, I made fun of earlier. Jesus, Danny. Uh, does that make sense? Am I coming through clear here? Um, he says, a good sexual initiation, one that takes place consensually between sufficiently mature and well-prepared partners, may help set the tone for a more positive, pleasurable, and healthy future, sexual and otherwise. On the other hand, a sexual debut that's coerced, premature, or painful could spell trouble down the road. Thus, we as a society would be wise to invest in facilitating the former and discouraging the latter. As in the good was the former and the bad was the latter. Did he get that order right? I think he did. How can that be done? One part of the answer no doubt resides in honest sex education and communication. Growing up, none of my, sorry, most of my students seem to have experienced neither. So this is the part that I really like because um, he teaches, I guess, sex ed at Otterbein College. He says, in the first day of classes, I inform students of my guiding principles for the class. Here they are. Sex is an essential, normal, and natural part of being. Like all worthwhile life endeavors, sex carries real risks. Life itself, after all, is a chronic and terminal condition. Isn't that fun to think about? Yet, at the core, sex is also a promise of deep intimacy, of pleasure and ecstasy, of adventure, discovery, and renewal. Renewal? It's how we give and we're given life. Your parents fucked, dude. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> to manage the risks and fulfill the promise of sex, we must we must seek not to deceive, oppress, or scare each other, but rather to inform, understand, and enlighten. 
My commitment is to engage that challenge together with them, with my students. I think that our youths are owed this kind of commitment from the culture as a whole. I thought that was really nice, you know? Just why not why not make it a, a positive a positive thing? It's I mean, obviously it can be bad, but you if they you just like hide it under the corners of like puritanical isn't it interesting that we have like that puritanical strain in our society like to this day where it's like, are you fucking, are you masturbating? What's wrong with you, dude? It's healthy. It's natural. It's normal. But also if you, if you start to like look at sex as like normal and healthy and natural and fun, then it, then it kind of loses its allure to some extent. Like I think part of like what makes sex hot is when it's like bad. Oh, you're being a bad boy. <laughs> But I understand what he's saying. I don't know why I brought that up, that story up. Now I feel stupid. Should I just delete that part? It's good. It's good. It's a good life lesson. What? What am I doing? I, I'm going to quit this podcast. This is the final episode. <laughs> just kidding. Jen. Jen. I, I just paused the recording for a second to think about my summary of what I just read. And I think the most important part of what he said is that just being honest, you know, not trying to be like, yeah, man, I fuck a bunch of chicks or like, oh, I got laid and it was the greatest experience or or just having this expectation that you're going to be some kind of porn star in bed. Just You can just be directly honest and sweet and kind. And you can do the taboo kind of things and dress up and stuff like that. Dress up. I don't know. But as long as you're just being honest, you know, I just feel like from my own experience, I'm like when I was like 15, I like tried to hook up with this girl in an empty house. Why, why am I telling this story in a podcast? But it, was, it just wasn't that great of an experience. And so I had to just remind myself over the years, just fucking relax, Danny. Wow, I really should delete that part. No one cares. Do you want to know her full name and address? Just kidding. I only know her first name. I do remember her first name, but I don't remember her last name or her address. And obviously, I wouldn't disclose that. And obviously, nobody cares. Anywho, what a week this is in the old Fun Friday pod, John. Danny really trying to step outside the traditional boundaries of the topics he covers by reading a sex ed article from psychology today. Well, I'm not sure I was, it was worth it going down that path or maybe it was, maybe it was. I like thinking about shit like that. You know, you ever read something you're like, man, that's really inspiring. And then you try to read it to somebody later and they're just like, all right, <laughs> all right, dude, should we cover a, a quick space rundown? And then we'll wrap up the old fucking pod, John. Basically, What's happening right now is that Russia and China are becoming closer and closer partners for space. They're going to cooperate on expeditions to the moon, and they're going to a fucking asteroid. So now they're setting the stage for a new space race with us and our partners. Did you know, I didn't know this, 63 years ago, the Soviet Union put the first satellite in space. Not the good old US of A, my friends, even though the 4th of July is coming up. That, that, that would be a not fun fact to bring up on the 4th of July. It was actually the Soviets that launched the first satellite, guys. So just can you turn down the uh, Born in the USA, please, for a second? I just want to share a, a fact about the Soviet Union space program from 63 years ago. <laughs> like, all right, dude, just drink a beer. And then four years after that, the Soviet Union sent the first man into orbit. His name was Yuri Gagarin. They have a picture in this article I read about um, of him, of like a poster of him in, in Moscow. It's kind of cool. Um, but then they fell behind NASA in the space race. Obviously, we went to the moon first. But they're still like a, a space power, and they've joined us in operating the International Space Station, which is going to run through at least 2024. Long story short, China has uh, a shit ton of money, and Russia has decades of space power, uh, or something not power, space know-how, um, and like systems and equipment. Like they, they know what they're doing. So that now they're like teaming up. They're going to go to this fucking asteroid in 2024. And they're going to... Dude, China and Russia are going to build a permanent research base on the South Pole of the Moon by 2030. 
and the first of those missions is scheduled to launch as soon as October of this year, fucking 2021. They're going to go see if they can find ice because that could provide water for future human visits. Uh, this guy who was a senior fellow at the Carnegie Moscow Center, whatever the fuck that is, says China has an ambitious program, has resources to match it, and it has a plan. Russia, by contrast, needs a partner. That, that's a very smart uh, condensing of ideas, Alexander Gabuev. Thank you, senior fellow there. So, at, but they're so they're saying that like the that partnership reflects the geopolitics of the world today, where you know the United States and China don't really get along. United States and Russia definitely somewhat adversarial. So then China and Russia are like actually fuck this dude. We're gonna gang up on you and do our own space shit. So that's a little little bit a uh, little bit stressful, you know. Not sure I like that. There's a picture in this article of this guy, Dmitry Rogozin. He is the director of Russia's space agency. And he's speaking to astronauts and cosmonauts before their trip last October to the International Space Station, or as we call it on the fun Friday pod, the ISS. And uh, I was just looking at this picture, dude, because these astronauts are, they're wearing their astronaut suits and they're just sitting in this like conference room. And the dude that runs the Russian space program, this Dmitry guy, he's like this big foreboding presence he's probably like in his 50s and i just can't even imagine the life of being a russian astronaut talking to basically a military leader who's like in charge of your actions on this space mission to the moon i just i don't know man like what like my life is just thinking up joke ideas while i walk around the city and like saying them into my little phone recorder and then like trying out jokes (laughs) And like doing a job that's like, it's a good job, but it's not like the most senior level job, you know? <laughs> These guys are going to the fucking moon. God damn it, dude. God fucking damn it. So, you know, we we did partner a lot with Russia, but um, where you have a stressful relationship and that stress has reached a point where all bets are off. So that's a little bit scary. China has this uh, robotic rover that they landed on Mars last month. Dude, I what is that fucking movie? God damn it. Should I stop and look up the fucking movie? I'm going to stop and look up the fucking movie. God damn it. I looked it up. The movie is Wally. <laughs> Remember the movie from 2008? W-A-L-L-E. This little alien dude goes to the to outer space and shit. I think that was a really good movie, as I recall. The rover that Mars has on... The rover that Mars... The rover that China has on Mars. It honestly looks like Wally. And it makes me wonder, was that potentially in... Intentional. I wouldn't be surprised. Why not? It's a cool little craft, you know? Why not make it fun? I mean, Elon Musk did that thing with that rocket where he wanted to make it pointy because of some like movie he saw or some shit. You know, I think that I would probably be better at podcasting if I could remember the stories I was trying to tell. Like, what are you, what are you doing, Danny? Just wasting people's time. You're wasting my time. I'm horny and it's late. <laughs> so, you know, anyways, the basic premise, the basic thing that I'm trying to get across here is that we do not get along with China. Congress in 2011 prohibited NASA from virtually any cooperation with the Chinese Space Administration or any related companies within China, citing the risk of espionage, which, you know, fair point. (laughs) But that blockade has pushed China and Russia in a different direction, and that's to partner with us and then probably just shoot missiles at us from the moon, and that's going to really fucking suck. So maybe we should be nicer to them and just be friends. You guys want to be friends with me? Do you want to be my fucking friends? But the last thing in this article, it says China keeps Russia in the space game to a far greater extent than the Russian economy would otherwise support. So see, we fucking ice China out and now they're keeping Russia afloat because we we can't fucking get along with them. 
I mean, isn't there a way to partner with China without having them spy on our shit? Like, is, is it just completely impossible? I don't know. Maybe it is completely impossible. But more importantly, Lucky Charms has uh, a space-themed cereal out now. It's called Galactic. And it's just, you know, it's just regular Lucky Charms. But they put, like, like you know, the rockets and, and, like, moons and shit like that. Because usually, what is it? It's hearts, stars, and horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons, unicorns, rainbows, and tasty red balloons. Jesus Christ. Tasty red balloons. Did Lucky Charms write this article on space.com? Um, but now they're adding space traveling rockets and magic cloning planets. First of all, I think that that is a bit aggressive of a concept for fucking marshmallows inside of a cereal box. Another way to say magic cloning planets would be to say a small circular marshmallow. I don't really think that the Lucky Charms cereal box marshmallows can convey the concept of a planet that clones itself it's just a small red thing dude that get over yourselves lucky charms marketing people fucking bricks having said that i want to try it it sounds fun the back of the box can also be cut and built into a star projector with the help of a flashlight that's fucking sick and it's a fun way to learn about nasa's artemis lunar explorer program dude i know that they're building that base on the South, south pole of the moon but i know this is a super stupid question but if you're on the south pole of the moon aren't you gonna like feel isn't the blood gonna rush to your head <laughs> I'm, that's too stupid it's too stupid to say for someone that did 69 episodes of a space podcast and read space news every week i shouldn't be that stupid <laughs> to think that if you're on the underside of the moon the blood is gonna rush to your head wow wow danny you better switch topics quick to your inspirational quote and end this fucking friday pod john because you're revealing your ignorance to an audience that seems to be growing, okay? What do you think about that? What do you think about that? You got me losing all my cool. Oh, do a sing to me. Okay, here's my quote to close. I love this quote from Tudor Jones, whoever the fuck that is. Failure is the fire that forges the steel for success. There will, there will be failures and setbacks, but you grow from them, and it becomes transformative. How about that? Not just saying that failures and setbacks can help you learn, or can kind of course correct you in a marginal way on your journey, but they can be transformative, which always reminds me of the Conan O'Brien thing when he got fired from the tonight show or they took the tonight show away from him. And, and he said that uh, these setbacks can ultimately define who you are and change who you are. So, I mean, look at me, dude, what the fuck am I doing? Just sitting here in my fucking studio apartment. <laughs> I mean, the pandemic really set comedy back a year, but dude, I, I I'm already 45 years old. <laughs> I don't know if my comedy quote-unquote career can stomach a 16-month pandemic. You just got to go out there and keep creating shit, Danny, okay? Just fucking relax, bro. Creating shit. Keep going out there and having fun. Ordering. Dude, I, I fucking did this show with Joey Bass on Saturday night. This pisses me off. I ordered a pizza. It was like 40 bucks. I don't know why it was 40 bucks. Oh, they charged me a fee because they couldn't find me because I think I was like performing at the show. And now I want to go on the Uber app and complain. Danny, you, you switched from a nice, inspiring quote to complaining about a minor logistical problem. Did just order pizza to your own home, Danny, not to a show. Eat earlier in the night next time. Anyways, thank you, Tudor Jones. Thanks for listening to the space fucking pod, John. You fucking Jones. Come to Black Hat if you're listening to this on Friday and you live in New York City. Come to Black Hat. I'll hook you up. I'll buy you a fucking White Claw. I like to buy people drinks to say thank you for coming and being supportive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? 
Are you jerking off in front of your podcast listeners? That's disgusting. You need to end right now and get into bed. And once again, you're not getting any pussy from me because you're too much of a weirdo. Fake making jerk off sounds on your podcast. You know some of your coworkers listen to this shit. Baby, I'm just trying to get it to 36 minutes. Then I'll pause it right at 36. You're going to pause it right at 36? Yeah, you think you have that kind of willpower, mister? Nope. Nope, I don't. 36.04. It's just time continuing on. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Danny Palmer NYC. Have a good weekend, you fucking Jew. How long will you continue to listen, dude? All right, stop.